Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. We're gearing up for a really spicy episode today. How are you doing, Flex? Flex, do you want to introduce yourself to the people? Hello, world. My name is Flex. I am (laughs) 26, begrudgingly. I almost forgot for a moment. She said begrudgingly. Just, well, you know how I said that I, or I, I said to the internet and to my close friends and family that I wouldn't identify as aging because it happened mm. under Corona. So then I just said, until further notice, I'm 25. And then I was trying to do some maths and figure out why subtracting 1994 from 2020 wasn't bringing up 25. And I was like, fuck, I've aged. I'm 26. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Um, my favorite drink at the moment is Ribena. If you have lived or been to the UK or Australia or New Zealand, you know. Yesterday, I bought an air fryer. Um, Please tell me everything. I saw that on your story. <laughs> Look, I've one really of those been contemplating. Where I I thought it was similar to a Nutribullet in the sense that when it first came out or was first popularized, everybody thought it was like the greatest thing ever. And then slowly... Mm it's separated from the greatest thing ever for people who will value that tool. And then for everybody else, it was just like another blender. Right. Basically I have, uh, I live in an old apartment and I have old appliances. And so, and I also don't like to cook. And so I like the idea of getting a gadget and it was inexpensive. I bought it for $50 um, from Kmart, which is like a, a a supermarket. A department yeah, I think store. there's a Kmart here. Yeah, it's a bit different to yours in America. But we'll, oh, anyway, is it? I digress. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was watching. Um, I think it was BuzzFeed, and they were talking about things you can make in an air fry. And I was like, let me make some hot chips or fries, as um, Americans call them. And it was yeah. such an interesting experience, just putting it in, pressing a few buttons. Um, I enjoyed it. A lot of people are like, you know, it's just like a normal oven. It's like, no, it is technically an oven, but the way the, uh, the, the way the air circulates around it is supposed to like improve the way things cooked and doesn't dry out your food like an oven can sometimes. It's this whole thing. So yeah, it's like, it's an oven, but it's an oven with fan forced air circulation in a certain movement that's supposed to improve the way that your shit turns out. So yeah, that's going well. Could I'm you gonna... fry like a chicken in there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Anything in well, it doesn't fry. That's the thing. You can add oil. Yeah, it's called a fryer, but it's more like an oven. So anything you can make in an oven, you can make in an air fryer. Oh, I see. People do. I I'm on like a few Facebook groups, and you can make a lot of things: pastries, cakes, chicken, tofu, all this stuff. Yeah. And people like it because, you know, it's hard to clean a conventional oven. Like once you get some yeah. like, shit spilled in there, it's game over. 
Um, but this is like, you know, stainless steel and like non-stick and it's just so cute. But we'll see. Think, I've I used it I'm once. Sold. Yeah. I think the only I'm issue sold. is that my, the capacity for mine is like, I don't know, less than a liter. So you can't really make more than two servings of something. Oh, it's a small thing. I've got a small version, but there are huge ones that you can roast whole chickens and whole, you know, whatever things in them. But they're way more expensive, like $500. So it's a bit more of a commitment if you know you're going to cook actual things. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I'll get one. Anyway, tell the kids who you are. Yeah. Hi, bitches. (laughs) Um... I'm Bobo. I am in New York. I think I have Corona again. So that's quite (laughs) annoying. Um, Patient zero. I feel like (laughs) literally, I feel like Corona is now going to be this thing. It's just going to be another flu. Like it's just going to be another disease that we all just have to live with. And like every year it's just going to kill a couple of people. And it is what it is. So I'm just gearing for that. Um, I think it's particularly annoying for me because I have asthma. So it's just, yeah, it's just annoying. But besides that, I really am loving being quarantined. I know that's a privilege, but I just don't want this to end. Yeah, I feel so at peace. There's, as you can hear, there's no noise. Like, (laughs) usually New York is the loudest place ever all the time. Um, I'm also ready to move to Australia. So Flex is going to adopt me. Yeah. Just letting I'm you ready. all know. The time yeah, has come. I'm ready. Yeah, the time has come. So many people have just told me so many good things. I've just heard the food is good. The climate is good. Like, yeah, I'm ready to just move to Australia and have 15 puppies. And that'll be that, you know? See you soon. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> now for some uh, drama. It's not often we talk about celebrities yeah, um, because we're just not a news podcast. Um, I feel as though some people haven't really clocked that with us. I get some requests to talk about um, like, this just happened in the news. And what do you think about Camila Cabello? And I'm like, I don't really, I'm not a crust. <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> I'm like, who is that? It's not really the platform for it. But every now and then something so spicy happens that... You know, Mm. it'd be remiss for us not to discuss it. Um, Or at least, you know, using the the incident as a foundation for a greater discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Lana Del Rey. Yeah. I love how Gemini season came and the entire world just erupted. Like between Lana Del Rey and what's the other? Who's the other one? Doja Cat. Doja Cat. And Joe Biden. And six nine, there's just so much happening. Even more, Hillary Duff. There's something. Oh yes, Hillary Duff. Oh my God, Oprah being accused of sex trafficking. It's just a lot. A lot Why is Gemini feels, season so chaotic? A lot of it feels like some of us are just a little bit uh, bored and without hobbies, so we're yeah. latching on. Um, yeah, but some of it feels really justified. This Lana Del Rey one. When I saw this. For context, she posted a little, um, you know, IG notes press release (laughs) onto her um, Instagram. And initially when I saw it, I scrolled past because this is too many words for Instagram. (laughs) 
but then I saw she was trending on Twitter. So then I went back and thought I had to read it. So mm. bear with us because this is a bit of a long Instagram post, but I need you to open up your ear canals and really soak in all of this information. Yes. Because as soon as I finish reading this post, we're going in. Yeah. There's so many layers, bitch. Please go in. I will preface this by saying I'm not a Alana Stan, but I do enjoy her music. Okay. Okay, so she says, question for the culture. Ugh. We already knew it was going to be bad already. from there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's continue. Let me let me speed through this. Question for the culture. Now that Doja Cat, Ariana, Camilla, Cardi B, Kalani, and Nicki Minaj and Beyonce have had number ones with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, fucking, cheating, etc. Can I please go back to singing about being embodied feeling beautiful by being in love even if the relationship is not perfect or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse I'm fed up with female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse when in reality I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we all got (laughs) of what we all now see are very prevalent emotionally abusive relationships all over the world with all of the topics women are finally allowed to explore, I just want to say over the last 10 years, I think it's pathetic that my minor lyrical exploration detailing my sometimes submissive or passive roles in my relationships has often made people say I've set women back hundreds of years. Let this be clear. I'm not a fem- I'm not, not a feminist, but there has to be a place in feminism for women who look and act like me. Imagine. The kind The kind of woman who says no, but men hear yes. The kind of women who are slated mercilessly for being their authentic, delicate selves. The kind of women who get their own stories and voices taken away from them by stronger women or by men who hate women. I've been honest and optimistic about the challenging relationship I've had. Newsflash, that's just how it is for many women. And that was sadly my experience up until the point that those records were made. So I just want to say... It's been a long 10 years of bullshit reviews up until recently, and I've learned a lot from them. But I also feel it really paved the way for other women to stop putting on a happy face and to just be able to say whatever the hell they wanted to in their music. Unlike my experience where I, where if I even expressed a note of sadness in my first two records, I was deemed literally hysterical as though it was literally the 1920s. Anyways, none of this has anything to do about much, but... Um, I'll be detailing some of my feelings in my next two books of poetry with Simon and Schuster. Yes, I'm still making. <laughs> yes, there's I'm so still- much audacity in this. <laughs> yes, I'm still making personal reparations with the proceeds of the books to my choice of Native American foundations, which I'm very happy about, and I'm sure there'll be tinges of what I've been pondering in my new album that comes out September 5th. Thanks for reading. Happy quarantining. Well, where do we begin? So first, the audacity to me. Wait, did you read her? She posted an apology. Oh, well, no, it wasn't an apology, actually. Should we keep? But she posted a follow up, which which basically just said, you you can read read it? it. It's here. Yeah. All right. So she said, so after that actual post, she got into the comments and started responding to a bit of the backlash she was receiving. Um, We'll talk about the backlash after you can hear her side of the story. But basically she said, um, 
by the way, the singers I mentioned are my favorite singers. So if you want to try and make a bone to pick out like that, like you always do, be my guest. It doesn't change the fact that I haven't had the same opportunity to express what I wanted to express without being completely decimated. And if you want to say that has something to do with race, and that's your opinion, but that's not what I was saying. And my last and final note on everything, when I said people who look like me, I meant the people who don't look strong or necessarily smart or like they're in control. It's about advocating for a more delicate personality, not for white women. Thanks for the Karen comments, though. Very helpful. And then the next day, she posted another press release to her Instagram and said, a couple of final notes on my controversial post. It's not controversial at all. Despite the feedback I've heard from several people that I mentioned in a complimentary way, whether it be Ariana or Doja Cat, I want to say that I remain firm in my clarity and stance in that what I was writing about was the importance of self-advocacy for the more delicate and often dismissed softer female personality and that there does there does have to be room for that type in what will inevitably be a second, a new wave or third wave of feminism that is rapidly approaching. You just watch. Perhaps I could have given more context to my post by mentioning the title of the second book that would be out next March called Behind the Iron Gates, Insights from an Institution. I'm sorry that the folks who I can only assume are super, super Trump Pence supporters or hyper-liberals or flip-flopping headline-grabbing critics can't read and want to make it a race war when in fact the issue was with female critics and female alternative artists who are disassociated from their own fragility and sexuality and berate more sexually liberated artists like myself and the women I mentioned. But in truth, making it about race says so much more about you than it does about me. You want the drama. You don't want to believe that a woman could be beautiful, strong and fragile at the same time, loving and all-inclusive by making personal reparations simply for the joy of doing it. Nothing new here in your reaction, same as 10 years ago when a million think pieces came out about me feigning emotional fragility or lying about coming from no money or or lying about coming from no money when that was the truth. My aim and my message are clear that I have control over my own story. If the women I mentioned don't want to be associated with me, that's absolutely fine by me. Well, what I find interesting is that she's framing herself as the victim in a space where white women, well, no, let's contextualize. She, a white woman, a rich white woman, a cisgendered, rich white woman is framing herself as the victim in a space where delicate, which is another loaded word, which we'll, we'll talk about that. She's framing herself as a victim in a space where delicate, white, fragile women is rewarded. So I don't understand. Mm. I think what she needs to say with her full chest, and I honestly, I literally don't even think she's being malicious. I just don't think she has the self-awareness to acknowledge her unconscious racial biases. What she needs to, what she needs to say with her full chest is, I feel discriminated against Mm. because I am a fragile white woman. Mm. And whiteness is by definition fragile. So the fact that blackness, which only exists in contrast to whiteness, is being celebrated right now feels like a threat. Because when you're so used to being superior, equality will feel like oppression. Like she feels she's being oppressed because she suddenly, 
for the very first time, not experiencing being on the pedestal and being rewarded for white fragility. So that's what, that is what she needs to address. But she can't address that because whiteness is a set of blinders. Like she just will never be able to see her unconscious racial biases because they're blinded by her own white fragility. And that to me is like the underlying problem of this entire thing. Which is just compounded by the fact that she started this whole thing by saying message for the culture or a question for the culture. Mm. Bitch, the culture is black people. Like, what are you talking? You think the culture is Karen and Ken? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you actually (laughs) talking about? Who are you talking to, fam? So to start a statement by saying question for the culture and then to retreat and say to retreat and say, no, I wasn't talking about, this isn't about race. And if you're making it about race, then that's on you. Like, bitch, are you really that? It's one thing to not have the range to not be able to see your racial biases. It's another thing to not have the range to not have the range to see your racial bias. Like, she's so deep in the source of white fragility, like she's drowning in her own white tears. And it's mad. What are your thoughts? (laughs) I can preface this by saying that I've read a lot of comments and a lot of discourse online, you know, trying to do backflips to justify what she what she said. You know, Mm. like you didn't get it. If you see in um, this sentence here, she said this, which means that no, let's all agree that it's not as though she was in an interview and the words were taken out of context and then we only latched into a bit and then suddenly everyone's a little peeved off. We have all the information here. Like in plain English, she said what she said. (laughs) And I think it's just a shame that she didn't anticipate the backlash. And I think it, you know, we always say people don't know what they don't know. I don't Mm. think she, whether you think it's a marketing ploy or not, let's just put that notion to the side and say, let's just say this is completely real and it's legitimate. People don't know they're going to offend millions of people before they do something and then still do it. Often they don't, right? right? Unless you're in the business of being a troll, which is not what Lana Del Rey is. She is a musician. So I think it's fair to say that she said what she said and didn't anticipate it being received as it was. And then now had to, and with all the clarification she's had to do, it's clear that <laughs> you're trying to make what you said make sense in a way that contradicts what you said initially. So yeah. let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Literally. It's one thing for you to say she didn't make it about race, right? Mm. And because she mentioned, you know, Camila Cabello, uh, who's, an, you know, an ethnic, I guess, and Ariana Grande. Yeah who's also like a culture vulture black fisher although i do love yeah, Mariana. Let's, <laughs> let's say it like it is i like, love it let's be honest yeah it's not as though anybody looks at ariana and goes that that girl's white she's in the category yeah. of blackness anyway <laughs> so no one looks say, at her and thinks oh taylor swift yeah yeah where and never, like okay so if it you can't say it's not about race when it's been prefaced with people who are like ethnic number one Right. Where I didn't see any Billie Eilish. I didn't see any Taylor Swift. I didn't see. I didn't see them. (laughs) I didn't see it. And you could say, well, it's because they they have different themes in their music. Maybe. But I saw what I saw and you read what I read. Let's move on. I think that 
I can agree that had she have taken the time out to really get to the root of what she was saying, points could have been made. I think yeah. she could have been onto something about, um, you know, she made a reference to why is it that when I talk about my experience, it's now being equated to glamorizing the experience when I'm just a glamorous person who's going through some right. shit. Fair. You know, you are, you should be allowed Fair. to sing about your reality and not have it be conflated to now you're glamorizing being a submissive, passive, you know, drug ridden, whatever. I totally understand that. Yeah. We yeah. can also say that points were going to be made when she addressed that, you know, 10 years ago, she was vilified by critics for the music that she was making. And there wasn't, while she was a fan favorite, in the music industry sense, when it came to journalists and critics, a lot of them did berate her about her subject matter, saying that she was bringing women back thousands of years because she wasn't she wasn't being an outwardly strong woman. She was talking about all the ways in which, you know, men were getting one up on her, were abusing her, were, you know, just making her feel worthless. And in a lot of cases, she enjoyed it because it made her feel special. So they were like, no, sis. Interesting. <laughs> That's not the rhetoric we're going for. So, yes, yeah. points were made about that. But my issue is your gripe is with the industry. Mm. Let it be known that the same industry that she's talking about did this and that and this and that and this and that to her. It's the same industry that's elevated her and given her this platform to say this and that and this and that and this and that. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And the same way she feels minimized or harmed by the industry. Is she not aware of the same way that Beyonce and fucking um, Doja Cat and Megan Thee Stallion and whoever she mentioned have also been done wrong by the same industry? Yeah, we're, remember we're Beyonce the, and Lemonade? Come on. Like, like and, and I, I saw comments like, nobody ever gets mad at Beyonce. Do you not remember every time she was pregnant and you all said that it was fake, said she was a liar, said she was part of the Illuminati, said that she, like, it, all we do is critique Beyonce. <laughs> I remember Beyonce's Super Bowl performance. She was mm. literally critiqued for perpetuating police violence. Like, yeah. What? I can't win, so let's not do that. So I think, yeah, if we're gonna, if I'm going to be fair, I can say she was on the verge of making a few points, but it was overshadowed by this huge victim mentality, as if she couldn't separate her her personal experience from how her experience is perceived. You, Mm. a white woman millionaire who's benefited from an industry that many don't get to, it's hard for you to now come onto the internet and now almost paint these women as um, a reflection Stealing of how you, you should have been treated. Yeah, because because yeah. from your from your point of view, they didn't go through it as hard as you do. So now they're the issue. Haven't we talked yeah. about blaming the system and not the individuals? Listen. Like the, the question for the culture could have been stated without mention to anyone. Literally. It would not Literally. have been about race. She could have said girls who make songs about fucking cheating and we would have just like had to connect dots ourselves. It wouldn't have been about yeah. race unless you didn't put five fucking black people in the heading. <laughs> also, I think that there is like, there's the whole fucking statement is, is underpinned by a tone deafness in which she right. can't see and almost like it's tone deaf and it's also an unawareness as if because she couldn't see how the rest of the world was perceiving what she had written now we are the people who are like of course you'd make it about race do you want to read your statement back sis <laughs> like <laughs> how we're all just not waiting for you to fuck up we like the bops lana we like the bops we didn't want it to be you sis <laughs> but you wrote what you wrote and it hit differently 
I also think that, you know, <laughs> part of me wondered, because later on she went to clarify and she said, if you couldn't see that I was putting myself in that same category, then I can't help you, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, right? But from what I read, it was almost like she was comparing, you know, if these women can sing about, you know, cheating and fucking and, and whatever, and I can't sing about being delicate, you know, and, and, and beautiful and embodied. It mm. almost sounds as though she was saying, if they can sing about this crash shit, why can't I sing about my delicate, perfect experience? <laughs> That's what it sounded like. If they can sing about all this ludicrous, crass business, yeah. then I should be able to sing about my light and airy feminine experience that's different from what's the norm but yeah and there's so much like i'm not like the other girls and also like respectability politics like her mode of existence is superior in the way that it's more respectable Mm -hmm. in contrast to these other black bitches who are crass and violent and and Mm -hmm. and that's yeah. it, as though she was saying, I, here I am, a complex individual, not given the space to be complex. And here they are, one-dimensional individuals, given yeah. all the space to be one-dimensional. And honestly, like like I said, I don't, I can agree that she was on the verge of making points. And I don't want to do this whole Landa Ray is a racist thing, because I just think that, like No, I don't said, think that either. I think when you're in a position where whiteness, you know, white womanhood, and all of these things are considered the norm and considered to be the appropriate way of being. And suddenly you're in a position where your whiteness is now considered setting feminism back hundreds of years. Obviously you're going to yeah. feel some kind of way, right? You're going to feel you're like you're being <laughs> oppressed. Yeah, absolutely. So we can understand, but also there are a few other things that rub me the wrong way as we read this, this one. Okay. When she mm. talks about, let's be clear, I'm not, not a feminism, but there has to be a place um, in feminism, for women who looked and act, for women who look and act like me, listen, right? this is the one. Then she goes that on to I was say, ready to throw I wasn't making ocean. it about race. I said, when I said women who look and act like me, I meant delicate women or women who don't look like they're strong. Those but are racial undertones. Like, can, can we? How, come are on, you mad? Come on. But then, and even if they're not, even if they're not. She goes on to say there should be a place in feminism for women who look and act like her, but also, um, and when she talks about women who look and act like her, she says the kind of women who get their own stories and voices taken away from them by stronger women or by men who hate women. Now, in the, in this context, you think, okay, maybe she's referring to those artists that she mentioned up above, like Doja Cat and whatever. But then you're like, okay, maybe she's talking about the female journalists who came for her. Whatever it is, syntax matters. Structure matters. Like you, this Literally. whole post, we're jumping between, like, are we really going to put strong women in the same category as men who hate women? Yeah. We're yeah. going to put misogynists in the same category as strong women. Wow. And then, <laughs> let's just no, say it- what was said was said. And... <laughs> Honestly, the more I read through this, I'm like, come on. Are we, sis? Like, this is the kind of message that you should have just called up a friend and be like, hey, bitch. Did you see this this fucking Doja (laughs) bitch with another fucking song up? And it's, and you know, that's what it should have been. Go call your boo. Go call your friend's family, Kiki, and get it off your chest. Because this, 
And then what really rubbed me the wrong way was after she had, she talked about being mercilessly slated by society and the media, which we can't, we can't deny. But then after she mercilessly slates, and we can say that it's fair to talk about your experience. So that's what she's done. And she's fair mm-hmm. to do that in whichever way she deems, like, you know, reasonable. But right. with art and with anything that you put out into the world, you can't control how people respond to it. But exactly. I think it was really, really telling that after she's like, and this one and this internalized misogyny, I'm not on a feminist, blah, blah, blah. And then to be like, but anyway, none of this means anything, but I'll be releasing two books, uh, one with Simon and Schuster, <laughs> and I'll be, you know, uh, giving reparations. <laughs> and I things. know she did that intentionally. You know. I know she... <laughs> it's it is, whack. Like, what are you doing? It is not inappropriate to give reparations, not at all. It's not appropriate to plug yourself. But in the context of this this Instagram post... Where I'm like, do you not see the ways in which this can be misinterpreted? And then to then post again. And this is what really got me. That if you see it in any other way than what I intended it to be written as, then you're the problem. Right. Sis, we are past yeah. that. We're, like, we all know intention versus impact. We all, you, you make art for a living. You already know what happens when you intend to do something and it gets received a different way. Why would this be any different? It's, it's so interesting. And then it's like, yeah. I understand, I understand getting shit off your chest. Just release the album and go. You Just know? release your album and go. Do a little artist release intention when the album is here and say, look, I just felt... You know, I was critiqued a few years ago for what I said. It's 10 years later and I still feel that same way. So I'm about to say it again. I hope it's better received. And then somebody posted the other day, because obviously and naturally this went really, really big on Twitter um, because people were trying to understand what was she getting at? Even if we take it away from race, there are so, she's an eloquent person. We saw the way she was able to, like, to um, to word her response. She knows how to use a word or two. So where was that when, like, when you were writing this? Where was it? <laughs> um, it was cr- it was crowded by her whiteness. And it's like I didn't as many times as I read it again and again and again. I don't see. I don't. How do I explain this? In her follow-up piece, she said that she was making, um, she was also putting herself in the same category as the women that she had mentioned, right? And was saying that they're all treated unfairly, which is not what I read or what I wrote or what, yeah, it's not what I read at all. And I was very confused as to like, how did she get there? But then (laughs) I was on Twitter, as you can imagine, everyone's like, fuck, Lana Del Rey is a white feminist. And I was like, you know what? That's what this sounds like. It's like <laughs> what she had written just was like removed of all intersectionality because she couldn't fathom that because, you know, Doja Cat, Beyonce, whatever, have received like praise and fame, it doesn't mean that they weren't critiqued in the same way you were. 
Right. Like the right. two the two did happen. The two currently happened. For as many people who think that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce and Doja Cat are sexually liberated, there are twice as many who say they're, they're bringing feminism back. And can't you get on right. stage and wear clothes and just sing? Can't you just do that? Why are you going to take off your clothes? This is an embarrassment. You're not a good role model. Whatever, 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 whatever. So it's almost like... Also, the fact that she couldn't fathom that you are, like, the neutral in this situation, sis. So as bad as you've had it, which is, like, it's terrible. Like, it's terrible. You can't not see all the ways that the women of colour in your same industry have had it worse. Literally. woman of colour has risen to fame without critique? Which one feminist is slide through and be on top? Every fucking woman of color who is as big as they are spent just as much time being slayed in. Remember when everyone's like, Rihanna, Rihanna can't sing. Rihanna can't sing. Rihanna can't dance. Rihanna's like, <laughs> people forget now because Rihanna's an icon. But for so many years, Hose is saying she can't sing. She can't dance. She's an entertainer. She's inconsistent. You know, she doesn't even write her own music. She's just, she's just a face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing too, is that like, I think what black people and people of color also need to recognize is that she really isn't being malicious. Like, no. And I really truly, when she says that she didn't write this from a place of racism, I truly believe, I truly believe that she believes that. Of course. Because, yeah. And it's like, I think what I've also noticed is that a lot of the people who are defending her, who are like, this isn't about race, stop making it about, it's also white women. Yeah. And what you, I think what I've, I've realized from that is like, like whiteness is just a set of blinders. Like you cannot be white and also be aware of your own whiteness at the same time, because whiteness is not a race. It's not because you are a dumb bitch. It's not because you're problematic that you can't see your own anti-blackness. It is by cultural design that white people are unable to see their own anti-blackness. Like, and I've just accepted now at my big age that white people cannot know whether their beliefs are racially motivated or not because white people cannot experience race. Because whiteness simply isn't a race. And when you can't experience race, you also can't be aware of the ways in which your lack of race is so deeply ingrained into your beliefs and actions and desires and motivations. So I fully believe her when she says that I'm not writing this from a, from a place of malice. I, this isn't about race at all. Like that's truly how she feels. Because she literally does not experience race. Like, for black people and people of color, race is an experience. And for white people, it's only a concept. So they they just will never be able to grasp why anything they say is racially motivated. And I also think this is why white women, especially rich white women, just cannot understand or even see the ways that they benefit from women of color's oppression it's beyond them and it just yeah it just has saved me a lot of headache just recognizing that like oh no like white women will continue to do this and will always do this because by cultural design 
whiteness cannot be experienced as a race and therefore racism cannot be made aware of or seen or experienced by white people unless it's like overt unless it's like in your face we're whipping you you're picking cotton white people cannot see racism beyond that by cultural design i also think to go off what you were saying initially yeah about us like it's it's clear but to anyone that she wasn't intending to be racist or to make it about race like right no people don't want to do that shit nobody wants to be an out and proud racist unless you're an out and proud white (laughs) supremacist and she is not i also think that like what she intended is so far removed from all the different ways this can be interpreted like all of these all of these interpretations can coexist and they can all be valid. So I'm really over the argument that because she didn't mean it, nobody can be offended. And because everybody's offended, it's also her fault. All of these things are just things that happened and, like, we must just analyse them separately and then put put those findings together. Like, you could critically think the shit out that piece and be like, baby, it's riddled with misogynoir, delicate, strong... People it like is me, riddled. People like them. <laughs> like, it's all there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You like you don't need to be um a scholar to to pull you it really out. You really don't. <laughs> and so if I think, you are listening yeah. and you're like, you know what? This is always about race. And like everything is always about race when it involves That's people the who thing. aren't white. <laughs> But everything is always about race because everything is political. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's the thing that people cannot understand. Everything is... It's like when people people are just like, no, I don't date black people. That's just my preference. No, it's not just a preference because love is political. You cannot separate the personal from the political. All of your desires, your beliefs, your motivations, your thoughts are all politically driven and they were all socially conditioned and ingrained into you, especially if you are white. Because racism is a primary feature of whiteness. It is not separate from whiteness. You cannot escape your own racism as a white person because racism is the Mac OS software inside your laptop of whiteness like that's just it doesn't need to be activated it doesn't need intention it is just there and it is infinitely there always working because whiteness is racism and racism is whiteness that you can never separate the two everything's political why is that so hard to understand it's a concept but there's more Mm. I think we can talk or we should talk about anti-blackness because Let's this is a concept that I don't think that we discuss enough and I mm. don't think the average listener is aware of that fact. 
that let's get into black it. people people or anyone can be anti-black but people who are black identify as being black can also be prejudiced and anti-black and oh absolutely so um let's get into doja cat because i guess let's now get is into the time <laughs> now my good sis uh like i'm a doja cat fan let's just put it out there I DJed for her when she was in Sydney and in Melbourne. We kikied. I think she's sus and problematic, but I also think she's funny as fuck and she can yeah. lay a weave and she's an amazing artist. But I'm only Why do you think drag. she's sus? Oh, she's suspect. Like, I feel like Doja Cat reminds me of when I was in high school and I just hated the idea of being black because everybody around me just hated black people. In a really covert mm. way, like reminding okay. me that I wasn't like black, black, but like I was only like a little bit black and, you know, <laughs> just perpetuating anti-black standards. Like I'm really scared to go to this suburb because there are a bunch of black people there, but like not you. And so I just thought the more I could be like covert black and just identify as being Australian, then it would just be easier off, you know? Right. But I okay, just remember I all the times when I was younger where I was like, I'm not like a normal black person because I like punk music and yeah. I dress a certain way and I don't, I'm the exceptional black I'm the yeah. exceptional black because I can you know move through these circles and not be seen as the other but I'll always be seen as the other like you'll just you just realize that as an adult but um and the things you do to um make sure that the people around you see you as anything but black so pandering to their anti-blackness um as a safeguard and a safety net so um don't you guys have like a ton of controversy in her short like mainstream career so far um when she when moo first dropped and it went viral she was um naturally people went through her twitter and found that she would use the um f slur the derogatory one for Mm. um homosexual people and she would use it quite candidly and when she was called out about it she said i use it all the time like i say it hundreds of times a day like (laughs) It's in my vocab. Really? Period. She was like, what do you mean? I always Wait, say Wait, and this. no one said anything? Well, they did. Okay, let me find... <laughs> okay, let me read out the... um, uh, The whole, like, um, news feed. Because there might be other people who don't know that she... Mm. She had this drama. So basically... um. I'm reading a Billboard article. It says Doja Cat comes under fire for defending homophobic language in tweet. Um, Basically, um, in a since-deleted tweet from 2015, she allegedly used the homophobic slur F to refer to Odd Future members, Tyler, the creative, and Earl Sweatshirt. She since deleted the tweet and also made a statement that she deleted. Um and defended her use. She said, I called a couple people the F word when I was in high school in 2015. Does that mean I don't deserve support? I've said the F word roughly 15,000 times in my life. Does saying the F word mean you hate gay people? Do I hate gay people? I don't think I hate gay people. Gay is okay. <laughs> so she's like, I'm she's been messy. Screaming. Um, and this is her response to this like drama in 2018. Uh, end of 2018 so it wasn't that long ago right um and every now and then she'll jump on twitter or instagram live and just go a little bit ham she gets really really drunk on instagram live i thought she was fucked on coke but she says she doesn't do hard drugs and she doesn't smoke weed anymore so it's just alcohol apparently 
But she'll just go on Instagram live and start saying some weird shit, how she wants someone like to shit in her mouth and like um, whatever it is. She's just a weird, she's just a quirky, weird fucking like manic pixie dream girl. But just like. Oh, I see. Okay. but, But just like, she just feels like a bit of a troll is how I see. And she identifies as being a troll as well. That's what she said Moo was. She was just trolling and then she was surprised that it kind of like got big. So I'm I'm not surprised when things come up about her. I remember she got on Instagram live saying um, that she really wants to fuck Russ. Um, and she was like, somebody add him. That's all I want to do. Like, and just being really vulgar about what she wanted to do with him and just like taking it a bit too far. And everyone's like, babes, are you okay? And then while she's doing it, she's like twitching and she's like rubbing her nose and she looks like she's fucking gacked and she's tweaking. And we're like, sis, is really? this just common alcohol? Like, what is, <laughs> what is in that? Anyway, so basically, recently she said on Twitter that she would show her, like, her tits if a song of hers got to number one on the charts. And um, it did. I think it was the remix of Say So with Nicki Minaj or something. Um, If you want the exact details, Google it. I don't really care to Google it myself. But (laughs) I was around when it happened. And it got number one. And basically, you know, Twitter was like, where are the titties, bitch? And she was, she just avoided showing her titties as you would, you know, she didn't have to do it. She said some shit, whatever. And what ended up happening is a bunch of like incelly, like red pilly type Twitter accounts were like, you're going to be sorry that you didn't show us your tits. Like your career is over. Like we're coming for you. Like show us your tits. Just being, just threatening her in a way that's not like black Twitter funny in a way that's like, okay, like do relax this is serious like, yeah it's not that deep like did we even think she was gonna do it anyway so then the other day i would say two days ago now everyone's like you know doja cat's a racist like she's very anti-black and everyone's like we know she's just like light-skinned mixed race and whitewashed like we've all been there mm. <laughs> you know <Yeah>. like <laughs> let the girl live we've all been there <laughs> And people were like, no. It's a phase. Yeah, it's a phase. It really is. And she's still young. She's like, what, 22 or something? So we get it. Oh, is and it? Okay. She was, uh, people were like, mm, no. Like, you're going to have to do better than that. Like, any black person who's who's engaged with a lot of white people in their lifetime knows what it's like to, like, have really repressed ideas of being black. So, like, next. And people were like, no, she's like uh, an alt-right sympathizer. She's like a huge red pillar. And people were like, next, like, bring the receipts or don't talk about it at all. We don't need it. Let this black girl live. She's having a moment. I'm screaming. Let her have it. So, no, basically, no. And then uh, more tweets came out that said that she is, she interacts frequently with alt-right communities on Tiny Chat and Reddit. And she's an active participant and an active member and all this good stuff. So, basically, she's 24. I lied. So, basically, what had happened is that a video surfaced of her, um, a video surfaced of an old song that she released called Didn't Do Nothing, right? And Didn't Do Nothing is like a, a racist term. It's kind of like saying you didn't do anything in like a really like derogatory, um, yeah. derogatory jargon. And basically it's in reference to people of color who claim to be innocent after facing police brutality. And so she made a song called Din Do Nothing. And the lyrics are, how much nothing can a din do do if din do didn't do nothing? How much money could a din do make if a din do did all the things that you wish to? And just like went on a tirade about like, you know, 
What the fuck? Just no, she needs like therapy. That. Yeah. So basically everyone's like, um, okay, she's a troll, but this feels like a little bit on the nose. So yeah. people started going through Twitter searches of the word didn't do nothing and to see if it was like popular at any point in time. Because you know how sometimes, you know, in a offensive words can become popular and then we all jump on the bandwagon before we realize that it's not it's not appropriate Mm. so perhaps like um you know like this is a good example powwow like powwow to me i thought that was such a whitewashed like karen term no it's actually associated with like native american culture that's it that's one to me that comes to mind or when people say um when people use the word gypsy and don't realize it's offensive yeah, yeah. And they're kind of like, oh, I didn't realize. I just thought it was like a term for like people who were, it's kind of like, because people are like, maybe it's like that. And it was popular on the internet back in the days. And she just used the word. And everyone's like, nah, if you type the word on Twitter, it's just a bunch of alt-right white supremacist accounts that come up using the words in relation to police brutality. So then basically that happened. And then heaps of screenshots of her in this huge tiny chat um group and tiny chat's kind of like zoom so you know you can see all the grids of people's faces and she's in that group with about 12 other people just chilling having a chat and just her uh and i think one other from what i can see woman and then a bunch of other guys um and basically she's like having a chit chat and talking about um what was she talking about let me find it i want to find the exact words because it gets juicy was it the one where she was talking about like put Put it in my ass. Oh, it could have been that one. <laughs> That's the one I saw. Oh, where's this article? Doja Cat. Oh, right. <laughs> what the fuck is happening on the internet? Honestly. Okay, yeah. Basically, and so, yeah. So then, yeah, that was to put it in my ass one or whatever. And then once that happened, a lot of people started... Um, a lot of people started uh, dropping like different forums and stuff where people were talking about how people as an alt-right people in cells and white supremacists were talking about how they were so surprised that Doja Cat got famous famous because they remember her as that girl who would like, you know, do strip teases on tiny chat and like art and shit on things on live. And then say that she like hated that she was black, but like that she had a fat ass and she's into at least all allegedly, by the way, She's into race play. She wants people to call her the N-word as a kink. White people. Like what we talked about. Really? Yeah. Screep. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, and anyone who doesn't know, we had, um, listen to our episode. I think it's on like kinks or something where we talk about, um, this kink called race play where black people let all get off on white people calling them the n-word and like doing master slave like fucking plantation scenarios so you know it is what it is and um (laughs) so yeah that's what's happening on the internet at the moment and basically people are saying well number one how can she be racist if she's half black have we not disputed this like a thousand times (laughs) over (laughs) is that even a question it's very possible so that's number one how can she be homophobic if she identifies as being bi it's it's like this is a thing that happens it's very yeah funny. like in the same way that you can have black friends and still be anti-black like sis yeah. it's all here it's very it's very common but what's happening on the internet currently is like a divide of people who are saying well if she doesn't have the space to kind of you know 
um how do i explain it like can't she oh like be, to let it uh, out yeah, can't she be complex? And she's found a, a space where she can kind of like be, you know, be problematic, quote unquote, in private. Why can't she have that? Why does she have to be liberal if she's a black person? Can't she be conservative? Can't she have space to feel this way about her blackness? What is the big deal that she's in these groups? <laughs> and everyone's like, you know what? Sir. Interesting. <laughs> um, but Interesting. also what's happening... I think what people are also struggling with is the fact that these videos of her being in this tiny chat group and, you know, with these like incel and white supremacists and all these incels coming out and saying like, she was just like the girl in the chat group. Like she was always in them. She was always the one like mocking black people. It was just her. Like she'd been around. Um, And people were like, the hardest thing about stomaching this information is that it's not as though in the normal cancel culture period where these videos were from 10 years ago, five years ago, and they get launched. It's kind of like, oh, you know, she was young, whatever. These videos are from five days ago. Yeah, like this is... (laughs) (laughs) This is current. I don't know. I'm really just not... I think another thing, something that really changes your experience of blackness is who you were raised by. So I think, Period. yeah, like she was raised by her white mother and her dad wasn't in the picture, who's black. So she grew up as a white person. Like, I, I like none of this is shocking or mo- like I'm just not moved or shocked. Like, here's another white person who is racist. Like the sky is blue. Like what? Why is anyone even I don't I guess I just don't understand why anti-blackness is still shocking to people. Like to me it's just a matter of fact. Well, I can see I why it's shocking me. because I feel like for the average person, they even like the, when I say average person, I'm just think of yourselves before you like read books and stuff. So when we when we used to think of racism, it was like lynching and hanging yeah. Yeah. people you know it wasn't covert it wasn't everyday it wasn't microaggressions and whatever and i think a lot of people still feel that racism is like this big bad word because it's big right and, bad, and it's out yeah. of the norm and it's got to be like the exception when really it's a lot of this day-to-day stuff and so yeah what what we can easily process as anti-blackness or misogynoir or prejudice or whatever um all like elevating white supremacist standards that's really second place to us because we like we were able to see it because we can see racism to begin with yeah and so like i don't think like so that's why i think the conversation about natural hair weaves wigs and stuff really doesn't translate very well in in an environment of people who aren't black or very across blackness you know yeah like this whole yeah. good hair bad hair like curly hair not curly hair is your hair frizzy is it nappy is it not it just doesn't translate so in the same way someone's like well but she can't be racist because she's black you're like fuck we've got to go we there's a whole crash course you've missed welcome <laughs> literally i think also i think it's about semantics too like the reason why it doesn't translate i think Anti, I think anti-blackness and racism, like those two words are not verbs. And a lot of the time we frame them as yeah. a verb, like racism is a thing that you do. No, racism yeah. is a thing that you are. Mm. Because racism is 
again, it's just a primary feature of the software of whiteness. And everything is whiteness. Capitalism is whiteness. Patriarchy is whiteness. Every single institution is whiteness. So like racism is really just the fabric that binds together all societal structures. It's not a verb. It's not something that you do. It just, and that's, I think, what's confusing for white people is that white people think they have to do something in order to be racist, when in reality, just you existing in a white skin suit, expressing your white individuality is a violation of people in color, people of color and black people's needs. Like, you don't need to do anything. You just exist. And the byproduct is racism. And I think that's what's confusing because then white people are just like, oh shit, like, but I didn't create racism. No, you didn't create racism, but it just, that's the skin suit you were born into. Like, that's your burden to carry. What can we do? Like, you carry the burden of racism. Yeah. For so long, I don't think a lot of us, like, common, normal people were having constructive conversations about race. Mm, it wasn't a what do you mean by thing. that? It wasn't call out your friend for being prejudiced or racist. It wasn't, you know, like, you know, nudging your friend when they referred to a Chinese person as this. It wasn't any of that. It right, was waiting until right. you heard of someone getting bashed or abused or whatever. Right. And then the discussion happened. And it happens now. I mean, we're not talking... I remember um, talking to a friend about, like, the classifications of sexual assault and so much of what we would consider to be like, you know, common, common, bad dates, uncomfortable experiences are on the spectrum of sexual assault, but who's going to say it, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think it's the mix of like waiting for this really grandiose experience to happen before like, Oh, that's a little bit suspect. But when we, in reality, like if, if we were having constructive conversations about, anti-blackness in the black community we would be talking we'd be starting with hair we'd be talking about complexion mm, more often than yeah we do. yeah we'd be talking about weight and size these are all right. things that we would be discussing but we can't because we still need to kind of unlearn our perception of what racism is and i think how i differ from other people who might um like how i differ from other black people who regard white people when it comes to race is I'm not here to make white people feel bad because then it, then it becomes this conversation of like, how do you nurse the white person you made feel bad about just illuminating like your experience yeah. to them? Yeah. It's not about that. I'm just trying to create a dialogue and like almost like point fingers, but in a, in a way that shows you like the finger that you're pointing at that person over there, I'm pointing at you. Yeah. You know? No, literally. Like time, yeah. 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 The time you said to me that, you know, when you heard my voice, you couldn't tell I was black because I sounded professional. That's the same thing I'm pointing to you when you're pointing to this bitch for saying the N-word. I'm pointing the same thing. Right. It's the blank. same thing. It, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I think that's it like really why these does. conversations yeah. can become really unproductive very quickly because you say racist and like, 10,000 ears just like clock off because like no this this conversation isn't for me because I'm not a racist. Oh yeah and it's like no no bitch I'm talking to you like (laughs) I am subtweeting you right now yeah I I agree with you entirely I think yeah I also think yeah the the word racist is so loaded and it has all these I think we need to destigmatize the word racism like 
it has at least so, so we can much. have a conversation. Yeah, because it has too much baggage and like historical mm. baggage, and we need to modernize it a little bit to understand <laughs> that like. Yeah, like we need to modernize the not modernize racism because well, racism is always modernizing itself. Let's keep Uh racism and let's just start using prejudice more often because I feel like most people Hmm. it'd be easy for you to show them the ways in which their prejudices manifest and not their racism. No, I think we need to use racism because it's specific. If Mm. if we just say prejudice, you can ease. If I just say hey that was prejudice that was like your unconscious internalized prejudice you can easily just be like okay but it's just prejudice it's just my fat phobia it's not racism like i feel like <laughs> you know what i, I mean like, like you can always <laughs> it's just my fat phobia it wasn't racism <laughs> yeah but there's a hierarchy you know what i mean like and racism is the worst possible thing like white people don't want to be called racists but they, they, they still want to be able to do racist things. Do you know what I mean? So I think we need to well, be like specific. being called racist is being worse than being racist, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, literally, that's what it is. So we need to be specific and say, the way that you said that I'm too smart to be a black person, like, bitch, that was racist. Mm. And we need to be able to call it for what it is. But we also need, we need to depersonalize it. Like... When we call people out for being racist, they cannot take it personally. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it really isn't personal. Like, the way I see it is none of us have free will. You were born into a white skin suit and therefore you were born into white supremacist conditioning. And it's not your fault, but it is what it is. And your very existence is oppressive to the existence of people of color and black people. So let's just deal with it. Like, it's not your fault, but you are still accountable for your whiteness because you are in ownership of your whiteness. You are the one that carries around your white skin suit. So you must still be accountable for it. But we're not like, it's not personal. Like your ancestors did this. It's fine. (laughs) We don't hate you, but let's just deal with it. Yeah, See, you know I what I mean? Really, I think that's really powerful, but I don't think it's productive. Because like I mm, said, why like, is if that? somebody, it's all about conflict resolution. And if somebody tells you something that doesn't resonate, you're not going to take any of it in. Mm, if I was like what to Bobo, if I was like, you know what, Bobo, you give me a lot of like white energy. Like, I feel like you're like my white black friend. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to process anything else that you say because you sound so insane. That's what I feel like it sounds like when you tell like not even a white person, just any any person that like any we tell any person, yeah, you're racist. It sounds so ludicrous, so crazy, <laughs> so nonsensical that they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like it doesn't make any sense. And so that's why I think like on a day to day level, like in a conversation, like let's say somebody said to me, like, yeah. <laughs> it always makes me laugh after being on the Shameless podcast and the amount of DMs yeah. I got with people were like, I didn't even know you, you were black. You sound so professional. You sound so white. You sound so strong. Wow. Whatever it was. Wow. Um, and that was a great episode though. Everyone should go listen to it. But um, what that made me think of was with every conversation, I was like, I was talking to Grace and I was like, should I, do I clap back and say like, that sounds like that's racist. And so what we ended up like devising was that I would just ask them, what do you mean? <laughs> like, mm. what does that mean to not sound, to sound professional or not sound black or not sound white? And although like that process was far more tedious, the end result was that 
I wasn't, it's it wasn't productive. as though I was doing damage control being like, well, no, don't feel bad. Like you're racist, but it was like, no, just sit with that for a second. I'm going to go. Yeah. I've also blocked you, but I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. I see what you mean. So it's about you know semantics. I mean? It's not saying, exactly. I guess it's, yeah. It's the difference between saying you are racist and saying you benefit from racism. That's it. Or you are racist okay. versus you behave in ways that could be perceived as being racist. Like, it's all the same shit. But one of them yeah. is more so, like, powerful. And it helps us kind of, like, maintain like authority in a situation. And one is mm. actually productive where you're kind of like, look, this is a frustrating conversation to have. I shouldn't have yeah. to explain to you that that's a little bit sus. But, like, while we're here, we're going to do it. Because like I said last episode, yeah. I don't want to care about shit, but unfortunately, it hits me. <laughs> and then yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then you do... I have another question for you. How do you feel about this notion that as black people, it is not our responsibility to educate white people about racism and about our lived experiences? I don't think do you feel like that's productive? Responsibility, but I don't think it's a... Uh... It's, I don't think it's a way of thinking that's conducive to change either. So don't do it. Right. I don't think white people are going to be like, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, it's not your responsibility. It's not your duty. It's not your role. But also in the same way that you don't want to do it, I'm sure all the racist people you know also don't want to change. Right. It's a right. stubbornness that works both ways. Yeah, yeah. And in the I same agree way, like in the same way, if a if a like if a non-black person was like to you, Bobo, here are all the ways in which you're racist. It's not gonna hit to you. You're gonna be like, um, you sound crazy. You're gonna leave it. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not helpful. Also, the last thing I wanted to mention before we go is that I do think that, like, although I think that canceling is like unproductive, I what I think is really interesting is how gendered, like how gendered the conversation around cancelling is because it's so much more potent Bitch. when who we're cancelling is a is a woman. I was thinking mm. like, did it, 6 9 pedophile, abuser, just Listen. came out of jail, trending Listen. on TikTok, how many, how many millions, let's see how many millions of views his new song has on YouTube. <clears throat> let's just see. Yeah. How do you spell 6 9 Is it six? Letters? Yeah, there we go. Um... His new song came out two weeks ago. 222 million views. What That's somebody who has been cancelled. Gang-related, pedophile, abuser, sexual assaulter, all of the names under the sun. A man can can come out of jail early, mind you. (laughs) He didn't finish out his full sentence. Come out of jail just to be famous, even more famous than he was before. Thriving. Like, those stats, insane. But then Miss Lana, she, obviously, the statement was rooted in a bit of misogyny or whatever, but she said a few words, none of them, like, as offensive as what this non-black who says the N-word in every fucking song (laughs) says. And sis, her career... Is over, yeah. Yeah. After discussion. Lana Del Rey is over party, trending on Twitter. Doja Cat is over party, trending on Twitter. Hilary Duff is over. Gotta talk about that in the next episode, though. Trending on Twitter. 6 9 Oh, but the song is catchy. Oh, but... Uh, uh, Listen. So no, let's please discuss this in the next episode. Let's please discuss there's, it's just, why like, cancel there's, culture is so gendered. Yeah, I mean, like, there. we would have to get into it 
in a way that we don't have time for right now. But yeah. I just, when we reminisce on people who have been cancelled, I will say overwhelmingly the men got more support in the cancellation and have risen above. Kanye's oh, because fun. even remember with the Gail King thing, remember mm. how Snoop Dogg fixed his fingers. Yep. To defend... It, actually, no, we're, we're literally... Yeah. It's really that's interesting. It. Anyway, and so that's why I say, like, I'm not... A, I'll critique anyone. Like, people yeah. I love, dislike, whatever. Um, But what I find is that, like, because I remember somebody was like, asked me a few weeks ago when 6 9 got released, why don't you talk about it on the podcast? It is clear. Like, there's no <laughs> mincing that 6 9 is fucked. Like, I don't need to, like, you know, pull out the archives, find a few tweets. It's all yeah. there. What I want to do is there. talk about normal people making normal mistakes, quote unquote, having normal experiences because mm. they mirror our own. I could name so many, I could recall so many experiences where somebody has used anti-black language in front of me and I've been like, but you wouldn't think you're racist because you don't clock that as racist behavior. Yeah. I can think of so many times where I've myself or have witnessed like sus sexual encounters and been like, you know what? Don't call it right. <laughs> but like these are the conversations I want to have because it's these fucking loopholes that I'm over. Let's just call wow. it what it is. And when her album drops, we'll bump to it the same way. Six nine, however, you don't need me to tell you all the ways in which that guy's fucked. A simple six nine into Google, the results will come up for you. You don't even need Literally. to you just Literally. need to skim read. Skim read. You'll see the keywords. Pedophile. Sexual abuser. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> misogynist. Racist. And yet <laughs> thriving, flourishing, <laughs> prospering. Look, there's I can't so do much it. to unpack. There's actually so much to it. I think honestly. R. Kelly's been the only man in the music industry to really genuinely get cancelled. But even that, it was after years of him being a problematic pedophile that he was actually... It's just insane. Yeah, I don't feel like cancel culture did that for R. Kelly, though. His time was coming. That's retribution. That's karmic retribution. That wasn't cancel culture. I don't think tweets did that. Mm. <laughs> His time was coming and it was going to come. The thing about cancel culture is we look for, like, like you said, like this analogy that you use, we look for symbols of progress, not actual progress. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we cancel someone just to wait for that, uh, that iPhone notes apology, just to wait and see that they're dating someone who's black, just to wait and see that, you know, they know how to eat Indian food and then we're good. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, literally. We're not, we're not looking for real change and we're not providing or yeah, we're not providing the environments for real change to happen. We're attacking, 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 and say you better change in three and punishing. seconds or it's done. Yeah, it's but it's it's because we live in this capitalism again. Everything goes back to capitalism, but we we really believe that punishment or punitive justice is progress when it's literally the opposite. Like I don't even believe in sending people to jail. Like, but I think about the ways in which like the idea of punishment only perpetuates the problem. And when you punish people for being the way that they are, 
when they had no control over becoming the ways that they are, you don't solve the problem, you just make it worse. So no one, if we're, com- if we're all just being completely honest with ourselves, actually, I'm going to exclude myself from this narrative. But if society's being completely honest with themselves, no one is interested in progress. People just want the glory, the pride, or the ego boost that comes from punishing someone because it makes you feel superior when in reality you're not. And that's all people want. People don't want progress. They just want to feel superior to to people around them. And that's all society centered around because that's what capitalism is. It's just the pursuit of superiority and it manifests itself in our justice system and in the ways that we treat people and in the ways that we engage with each other. And it's just always going to be like that. So, you know, eat the rich. (laughs) Love it. And if we can end on these three tweets that sum up the Lana situation perfectly. Mm. Um, Number one. Can we dead the myth that women are attacked and criticized for this basic white soft girl aesthetic that Lana sees herself as the champion of when those characteristics are the standard for femininity and have been for ages? Literally. White feminism did fail Lana for many years and does fail all sorts of women who have complicated intimacies with men who hurt us. But Lana used a tool many white women do, which is leverage what power is granted to us by white heteropatriarchy in anti-like context to seek more power. If you want to listen to it again, listen to it back slowly. It's all there. And the last one, what Lana should have said is that I'm sick of being criticized for my music being seen as the embodiment of anti-feminism and the romanticism of abuse when it is a projection of myself, my feminism, and my art. Ooh. Period. And that is I love that today, first everyone. one. Yeah. We love it. So thank you guys for listening. This has been such a fun episode. Follow us on Twitter. I know my DMs are about to literally explode after this one. So I'm going to go throw my phone in the ocean. But follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And we'll catch you in the next episode where we talk about why cancel culture is gendered. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.